Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. It's been a year of us, uh, it is a year of us kind of taking in uh, the good news of Jesus Christ as uh, Jesus turns lives and uh, the world inside out and upside down. We spent the first part of this year going through the Gospel of Matthew. We've been recently here in the uh, latter uh, chapters of the book of Acts. And uh, two Sundays ago, we were in Acts 19, uh, people transformed, transform people, transform people. Uh, last Sunday, John Kelly from uh, Chicago West Bible Church was here. Was that not a home, home run of a sermon? Hey, if, if you weren't here last Sunday, um, I really want to encourage you to get online and listen to it, or you can watch it as we video sermons. Uh, they're there as well. You want to see that uh, last Sunday. And uh, today, we're in Acts chapter 20, a people entrusted. So if you will, would you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20? And uh, Acts chapter 20 finishes uh, Paul's three ministry trips. It's quite an important moment. Um, He's finishing these three ministry trips that he's been on, and and I'm just going to say, starting in chapter 21, kind of everything changes. The ministry trips are done. The the local church planting work that he's been doing is kind of finishing. Paul is is finishing out uh, his ministry, And, and in the latter part of the chapter, we have this farewell address by Paul. So it's basically after 10 years of church planting, after 10 years of encouraging those local churches, after 10 years of equipping those local churches, uh, Paul is kind of wrapping it up in a moment here with a particular group of leaders in our text for today. Um, And and it is a baton-passing moment. Uh, For me, uh, uh, this has been a very special text this week. I told Karen earlier this week, it's like, man, I'm just like sitting at this text. There I go. I've just been sitting on this text and so many memories, so many emotions are going for me, so bear with me, okay? Um, Having been uh, someone who's moved a number of times, and uh, dear God, I pray no longer again, Um, having attended four high schools in four states growing up, I learned quite a lot about moving and uh, saying farewell. Um, And I have kind of have a whole thesis about moving and how many times it takes for you to learn and what happens after each big move. It takes you three moves before you really get what goes on in in my thesis. And uh, in that, I'm going to say kind of Paul is giving a farewell address that's after like a third big move time. You have experience, you've seen what goes on, you've poured into people, and there's a depth here in this farewell address that is just something that personally is moving for me, um, and, and even including with what I do. So bear with me. I'm the teary-eyed dude if you're visiting. Um, hang with me here on this. It's a wonderful, wonderful text. 
let me kind of say it this way. Paul is passing the baton. He's passing the ministry baton. Um, I don't know if, if you did track in high school. I never made it past high school in track. Um, but I remember for me, I was more 300 meter low hurdles, 400 meters. And my favorite event was actually running on the four, or I'm sorry, the, the 1600 meter relay team. Um, one time around the track, uh, four of you running that. And I loved it because I'm just kind of wired as a team guy. You know, you can run individually, get across the finish line, and that's cool. But there is something marvelous about finishing a thing as a team together. And what is unique about it is it has an individualness to it, and yet a teamness to it as well. And here, if I could say it, Paul is, Paul is a second-leg runner, maybe a third-leg runner in it. In other words, what I mean by that is Paul doesn't start the race, and Paul doesn't finish the race. Paul is the one who is being passed the, has been passed the baton. He is tailing it out, giving full out as he can around the track. And I remember, it was when you come off the, the fourth turn, and you're coming, and you've got that about 100 meters, 100 yards back in my day, 100 yards yet to go on the straightaway down the thing, and you see the b- baton pass, and you're running, and it's painful <laughs> because you have poured it out, and it's like, <laughs> everything going and you think that you're like moving it but the fact is you've seized up and you are just stretching to pass the baton off and here Paul is on that baton pass with what's taking place and it's in that baton pass it's a critical moment it's important how that passes. And then, by the way, when you're done and you pass the baton off and you step off the track and you kind of come in the infield, you don't go home. It's not like it's all done now. Uh, what it is is you're cheering the next runners on, right? And, in fact, the, the person that was before you is with you cheering them on. Come on, go, 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 go. Acts 20 is a baton pass cheering reality. And I love this text. So uh, enjoy it with me, if you would. By the way, uh, this is the kind of text that uh, you do not um, parse out, um, um, try and structure out in high detail. Uh, This week I've been reading through a number of commentaries, and I'm kind of like, they don't get farewell addresses uh, at this point. They want to structure it all out, build it all out, and do it like they're at an elder leader teaching conference. And I'm just going to tell you, here's what's going on today. We have an outline, but it's kind of, quote, an outline that isn't so much an exegetical by the text, if you want to say by the word outline. This is, you just got to sit back and hear it and feel it and see it. And I think there's some major takeaways from this text today. Because Paul's passing the baton, if you will, putting it in our hand, and he's cheering his people on for what goes out from here. So we're going to do that. So what we're going to have happen is we're going to jump from verses 1 to 16 that fast. We just jumped. Okay, here's my assignment to small groups. Small groups who are meeting this week and taking this text, verses 1 through 16 is in your hands. Okay, I fully pass it off to you. Let me just make a couple comments to you. Basically, verses 1 through 16 is, a, is kind of a, a bit of a travel log about a number of people, about a number of places, and it also has one kind of really funny, sad, awesome story all mixed in one. I mean, Paul's preaching all through the night, 
and this young man, probably 10, 11, 12 years old, falls out of a third-story window because he fell asleep during Paul's preaching. And he falls down, and, and, and Paul goes, and well, I'm going to say this. Don't make it about don't fall asleep in a sermon or else, because we all will, right? We all do, and we all will. Uh, the fact is, uh, make it about verse 12. So small groups, just mark that down. Verse 12, make it about verse 12. Ask yourself on that event, why is this a big deal? Why is God having this event take place? What is he trying to accomplish with this? It's not about Paul. It's about the Lord and what he's trying to do and have some time discussing that. So with that, we're going to jump ahead, okay? So I'm going to start actually the begin at the end of verse 15, the last few words where it says, we went to Miletus. Paul's finishing his third trip. He's noting this city called Miletus. Uh, we'll keep reading and I'll make note of that uh, some more. Verse 16, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. I don't have a map up today on purpose. You can use look in your Bible if you want, but he's west of Jerusalem. He's heading back to Jerusalem, and as opposed to stopping in Ephesus, which is one of the cities he spent the most amount of time in on all of his ministry trips, he's staying south about it. Miletus is a town that's about, uh, by walking, going around, it's about 60 miles. If you go straight down, then across some uh, inlet water, and then down it's about a 30-40 mile trip. So it's a bit of a trip from there, but he's staying far enough south of Ephesus. Why would he stay far enough south of Ephesus? Because he knows, I think, that if he goes to Ephesus, he's going to be there for a long time. And that's important to understand in this text. Why? Because he loves these people. He has poured three years of his heart and soul into these people. And he kind of knows himself. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to stay south of you. <laughs> Plus, it, so I can get home on time, to back to Jerusalem on time. And, and what, what does he do? Now, verse 17, from Miletus, he's there. He sent to Ephesus. He had a message sent to Ephesus and called the who? The elders of the church there in Ephesus to come to him uh, down in Miletus, and now he has this farewell address that we'll get to. So Miletus, you've got that city. He's talking, he's invited the elders. By the way, that's very important to understand. When Paul planted churches, he just didn't go and see people converted, grow and encourage people and equip them uh, and leave them all willy-nilly on their own. He set up a leadership structure called elders in the church. Friends, leadership matters. And we will fully realize and we fully acknowledge that we have a lot of dysfunctional leadership in our world today. Uh, by the way, we're all broken in it. And yet in it, leadership matters. It's important. It's not a, uh, just a modern day thing. It's not a, a human thing. God has established his people to be in a place where elders, where leaders are guiding them and moving them along. He's having this conversation, this farewell address, understand, is to elders. Now, don't check out on me. Okay, because if it's like, well, he's talking to leaders on this thing, what does it have to do with me? Here's what it has to do with you. It has everything to do with you and me. And I say that because what we're going to see is, as Paul is bringing these elders to him, he has a farewell address in this, finishing off his third ministry trip. 
He's about to go to Jerusalem, and then he'll end up going to Rome. All of his church planning endeavors are kind of finishing out. He pulls these guys together. He has a conversation with them that we'll read here. And what he's saying to them is what he wants them to pour into you. Oh, let me kind of put it this way. Paul has been passed the gospel baton, and Paul is now putting the the baton in their hands to which they are to take that baton and they are to take it home and put that baton in everybody's hand. Okay? And everybody then is to take that baton and pass it on to the next. So what is being said here, while there's a couple items that are unique to elders and the church, I'm not going to get into that today because we're talking to a whole church family. If I was at a leadership conference, it would be a little bit different. But I want to have us see here the core of what's going on because you and I are in this text for sure. Okay, so let's go there. Let's, let's see what's happening. And I'll just tell you, Paul lays raw life on the table. When you say goodbye to people you love dearly and you've poured into them, you cut the baloney of everything else and you say what you most want to say to them. That's why these words are so powerful. So let's take them in. God help us, right? God help us. Three takeaways I have. Takeaway number one, do life among. Do life among. Verse 18. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know. By the way, just so you understand, grammatically, that's an emphatic It's like, no, you really know. Know what? You know how I lived among you. The whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. I like that one. And with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, we could take the whole time just on that. But note this. Paul begins his thing talking to these leaders, imploring to them in the fact that, guys, you know that when I was with you, I lived among you. That means Paul did life with them. That means that Paul was not the superstar kind of ministry dude that was like off in the luxurious house and periodically would come over with us regular people, spend some time, and then go off into whatever thing was next for him. No, no, Paul in his ministry was the kind of guy who was with doing life with people. And they knew it. He wasn't just saying like, you know, I hope that I did. He wasn't just saying, I say that I did. He's in this emphatically saying, you know, guys, you know by the fact of it that I lived among you. In fact, we had already learned earlier that among, with Priscilla and Aquila, who were tent makers, and Paul was a tent maker, that they even kind of grouped up together, and they were making tents together. I mean, can, and people were coming. Paul was even caring for his own needs in all this, because he didn't want to look like the ministry carny. 
who's coming into town that was normal in the day, coming into town kind of doing a big, you know, a, a spiritual whim-wham and getting, taking from people and then running off from it. He wasn't doing that. He was there with them, doing life with them, including mending their tents. What I love about this is that the fact that Paul lived like that, and he says to them, you know that I lived like that, I think sets it off that even in Paul's day, that was not normal. Friends, I don't think it's normal for people to really do life among. Back in that day, I think they had some cultural advantages that make it even harder for us today. They had cultural advantages that kind of lived in community where they're out and about. Some places in our country and other countries are like that, where you just have to do life kind of among one another by now. But I'll say this, you can still physically be around people and not do life with people. And here Paul is not only physically with them, he's doing life with them. That, that's the big emphasis of it all. Jesus did life among. God in the flesh coming down on earth to pay the price for sin, to rise from the dead, conquering victory, making salvation available to all who would receive him. And the key in that is as he came and he lived among. He was with. Not portions of, life with. And ever since Adam and Eve, we hide and cover. Adam and Eve, you heard of them? Genesis chapter 3, they sin, and in it, what do we find them doing? Right after sin takes place, what are they doing? They're covering themselves, and they're hiding. And God comes, Adam, Eve, where are you? God knew where they were. But we're being taught some things here. Adam, Eve, where are you? Like they think they can hide from God. And in it, it's what are, what's going on. They're, they're, they're hiding. They've covered themselves. And ever since then, you and I have the tendency to do the same, don't we? Isn't it interesting how we will hide and cover uh, our brokenness and uh, what's really going on in life out of fear? By the way, we sang about fear in a song earlier. Well, uh, in fear of what other might think, others might think of us. Oh, if they only knew that I'm not perfect. If they only knew that I struggled in life. You know, and then it's so interesting, last Sunday, John Kelly comes here, and John tells his story about having been uh, a teenager and, and rough, and when he's 19, he's in jail thinking he might be there for the rest of his life. And he's telling his story about it, and you can just feel it in the room. And even just afterwards, the, the, someone telling about their brokenness and, and, and his situation and his story and the encouragement that that brings. And then, you know, I'll, I'll bet in it, we're all, we walk away from that so encouraged. Finally, someone that's just being real, laying it out on the table as it is, they've got a past with what's going on. We're all encouraged. And then I'll bet somewhere this week we went home and then we start doing the hide and cover thing again. Aren't we weird? Here's someone who shares what, how they've been broken and what God has done and it encourages us and then we kind of fall right back into hiding and covering from, to, from one another. Instead of actually thinking, you know what, if we're people that really live among and, and do life in the kind of way where we realize that we're all broken, friends, we are broken. 
And that includes me. Ask my wife. And when we know that, think that, act like that, don't expect perfection from one another. This isn't heaven. And when we're real, there's hope. How you and I live matters. How you and I live matters. As we're doing life, just how we go about it, friends, it really does matter. In fact, Paul notes two things that I want to highlight here out of the text uh, building off of this. Two actions that summarize Paul doing life among, how Paul lived his life. The first one is serving. Uh, You see that in the text, verse 19? Here he is, serving the Lord. So from the first day I set foot in Asia, I lived among you, and then he says, serving the Lord. Not serving himself. Serving who? The Lord. It's interesting in that because he's actually talking about how he did life with them, but he's talking about how he serves the Lord. That's the thinking part of it. Life is about serving the Lord. And as I serve the Lord, really the fact of the matter is, is serving the Lord is serving others. It's not serve the Lord and then serve others. No, serving the Lord is serving others. They're one and the same. That's why when Jesus was asked, hey Jesus, can you tell us which is the greatest commandment, Matthew 22, and he replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Oh, and I can't leave it there because also love others. The two go together. And it is a mentality, a mindset of I I am about focused on serving the Lord and my serving the Lord shows in my serving people. By the way, note three things about his serving. He served with humility. Now you may go... (laughs) You might go, man, that's kind of proud <laughs> to, to say, I served with all humility. No, you got to understand, this is leader to leader. If Paul was doing a conference, I don't think he would stand up in front of a group of people and say, I just want for you to know, I served with humility. But this is leader to leader conversation. And you can say this kind of thing to them. By the way, these are elders. Leaders have a tendency to take leadership and make it all about them. My goodness, we have broken leadership going on. And we're talking in churches today where it starts in a good place and it just gets caught in this and pride builds out and we think that about them and we think that, oh, friends, I just don't even want to go there. It's just a shame. And in it all here we have here, Paul is saying, listen, you know that I came among you and I lived among you. And by the way, that included me being humble among you. It's an interesting statement because Paul says in his prior life that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Pharisee of Pharisee means that he used to live life before he came to Christ in the kind of a way where he was superior from and separate from. He saw himself as far superior than everybody else as a Pharisee, even a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he separated himself from all the little peons, because why? Because he was a Pharisee. And now what happens? He comes to Christ, and now we don't hear him talking like a Pharisee of Pharisees. We hear him talking and living in the kind of a way where it's like, me and you, together, man. 
We're in this race together. There's no separate from, there's no superior from. It's you and I here together. It's a team relay race. It's not a singular event. He served with humility. And then I noted he served with tears. Man, seriously, that's encouragement for me. I'm just a tearful guy. I just always have been. And things get me and just grab me and I go there. But listen, fake tears are not cool. Paul's talking about the kind of tears that are sincere and genuine. The kind of idea that it's like, listen, I am not just here to do a gig. I'm not just here for a career thing. I'm not here, Paul is saying, to make a kingdom name for myself. I'm here because I love you. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you, listen to this, not only the gospel of God. That is an amazing statement right there for the Apostle Paul. I loved you so much, I was delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And if you understand the movement of Thessalonians in it, Paul in that statement is saying, listen, before I even came to you, I loved you. Why did I love you? Because God loves people. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, I have just within me, because serving the Lord means I have a love for people, and I already loved you. Oh, and, and so because I love you, even though I didn't know you, I'm going to share the gospel and my life with it, because that's how it's done. That's how ministry is done. It's the gospel and life. It's not just your life. It's not just the gospel. It's the gospel and life. And that's what Jesus did. And in that, he then says, it is out of doing that that then you became dear to me. We don't love people because they are lovable. We love people because God loves them. Therefore, I love them. And as we love them, they will become lovable to us and endearing to us. I get cranked up about this stuff. Can you tell? And then trials. (laughs) Serving with trials. How hard is that? Trials, by the way. Trials expose. Trials reveal. Trials show. They show your thinking and your purposes. You know, we can say that, uh, say for instance, that we believe God is good and then hit a trial and then look at your thinking. We can say that we believe that God is sovereign over all things and in control. There's not anything out of his hand and his will and then get in a hard time and then ask yourself the question, And God uses things in life like this to grow us and to press us and even a Job to be a testimony beyond ourselves, serving. Next, speaking. You see in verse 20, he's talking to elders, he's talking with them in verse 20, declaring and teaching. Verse 21, testifying. All three of those words are are, are speaking terms. Elders, hey, pastors, we, we speak into lives, we teach. It's different formats in it. If you go through that, it's even publicly, it's, it's, it can be small, it can be house to house, one-on-one. Teaching is a part of that. But that's not just elders, that's all of us because Scripture says we are capable to be able to counsel one another. And in that, to be able to pull that together. And so here, if I can, uh, 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 newsflash, uh, life, living life among includes speaking. Because you can live among and not speak, but that's not really biblical living among. So say it this way, lovingly. For some of you, you need to speak less because you dominate the floor. 
Maybe say it this way. For some of you, you need to speak less and ask questions more and draw at the heart of people. Speaking includes letting people speak. For those of you who are quieter, speak. By the way, that doesn't mean that everybody speaks the exact same amount. But there is a thing to where not only do we do life in words, but we think in words. You thinking right now, you are thinking words. And doing life among means speaking together. It's hard to do life with someone. It's hard to do life with people when speaking is not a part of it. Serving, speaking. That's the glue for doing life among. Takeaway number two. Expend life for. Kind of already hinted at this. Let me read verses 22 to 24. He goes on. And now behold... I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except, I do know this, that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. I wonder how the prosperity gospel people handle that. Hmm. Verse 24. How can someone then go on? 24. But... I do not account my life. In other words, think of an accountant. Tally it up, this, that, uh, my life, this, that, uh, add it all up, line at the bottom, and what does it come out? I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. Hold on, let me just say this. He's talking leaders to leaders. He is not saying, I am worthless. I am no value. We, because we know that is not true. Psalm 139, we are of precious value, having been created by God himself. Genesis 1, created in the image of God. There's uniqueness in mankind, and we hold life with high value, right? And so he's not referencing that. He's saying, as I serve people, as I speak with people, it's not about me. That's what it is. I have to, again and again and again, remind myself it's not about me. Do you have that struggle? Yeah, we do. And Paul, that's the idea Paul is giving. I, I, I account my life as of uh, not great value uh, nor as precious to myself, if only, and here's his desire, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, the grace of God. That's him running his lap. God has entrusted to me a baton that I am running with. And oh, I want to finish that well. And as I run that, uh, I am doing life among, and it, it's not all about me, and as I am running, the goal of this whole thing is I am expending my life for people. Doing life among, expending life for. Pouring it out. Oh, by the way, and that's how Christ did life as well. Expending his life literally for. By the way, it's a fact that Paul would have experienced less pain had he not lived life among and had he not expended his life for. It would have been less pain for him not to do any of these. And that's where we go. 
I'm going to tell you, I, I've been, when wrestling through this this week, part of what I've come to realize for me is, if I can say it this way, there's kind of this idol that I have in front of me, and I think we all do, that we think we're going to get to a point in the race where all of a sudden it's like cruise mode, and it's just like we're just floating, and it's glorious. And it's finally become what we've always wanted it to become, right? I'm telling you, I yearn for that. And to the point to where I think that if this thing gets taken care of, then it'll be glorious. You with me? Give me some hope. Give me some love. That's called heaven. And this is not heaven, friends. Crud. So Paul, how did you do that? How did you live as one among spending life for? Because it's hard. I did not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I've received from the Lord. Paul is running to finish out well. And friends, how you finish life matters. How you finish life matters. By the way, how you finish life is not just the last two yards. It includes the compilation of of it all. Bring it all together. Increasingly grasping the greatness of God will lead us to increasingly expend the greatness of God. As we grasp the greatness of who God is, we will expend that. We will radiate that out. Oh God, that in us. Oh God, that in us. Paul lived among and expended his life for, not for himself, not for his own self-legacy, not for stacking up an accomplishment stack, not for building up a numerics bin, not for how many digital media hits he gets. He's expending his life for the Lord, and for the Lord means expending it out to people. Do life among, expend life for, and last, commend the life too. We've kind of already contained this idea so far. Let's see what, where this comes from. Verse 25, and now behold, second time he said that, and now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Stop on that because we can just read right by that and and kind of take life out of it. That's, that's a heavy-duty statement from someone who has poured his life in. Listen, he's talking to leaders that he has established, that God has used him to bring them to, to see come to Christ and through team members to see them come to Christ, grow in Christ, and he loves these individuals. And he loves the church from which they come from. And this is just who Paul is. Everybody he's poured into, they matter. Every place he's been, they matter. (laughs) 
And how refreshing is that in a disposable world where people are disposable? Verse 26. Therefore I testify, you, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all for who I do not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. That's personal. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. By the way, small groups, you might want to just take a peek over to Revelation chapter 2 when Jesus makes reference to the church in Ephesus later after this. And his call to the church of Ephesus is you've lost your first love. There's a story that's not only a past story that's going on here. Paul is imploring into them something and pouring into them something that we're going to, we learn something about a short time, uh, some years later about them as well. You can bring that into this. And he's like, listen, I tell you, be careful. Watch it because there are wolves. Verse 31, therefore be alert. Be alert. Alert is kind of like, alert. It's like, I'm awake. Not like Eutychus in the story before they fell asleep. I'm alert. I'm watching. That's kind of what leaders should do. And by the way, leaders should be living that example so that all of us live that example. Alert. Watching what's going on. Don't be fooled. Wolves are around. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not see night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. Friends, baton passed into their hands. I commend to you God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Notice Paul doesn't say, I commend you to do and to honor me, to remember all the marvelous things that I did. No, here he's commending them God and a word of grace to build you up, to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Verse 33, I coveted no one's silver, gold, or apparel. By the way, that third one is unique to me. I didn't, anyway, I'm not a clothes guy, but I thought that was interesting. Verse 34, just being real, sorry, that was a moment. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me and all these things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, friends, it is hard work to live among, spending yourself, it's hard work. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul's on the last hundred yards. 
And he sees the pass off. And essentially, he's already there. And he's passing this baton off to this, these dear individuals in this wonderful church that he loves and poured himself into. And he's passing the baton off. And if you will, he's, he's now, he's cheering them on. Run, run, run! How you entrust life matters. How you entrust life matters. And I think here what we see Paul doing, he is entrusting life carefully. He is entrusting uh, the gospel attentively. He is entrusting the gospel seriously. And he is entrusting the gospel selflessly. There's carefulness here. There's attentiveness in it. There's a seriousness in it. And there's a selflessness in what's happening here. Sweet words. And the end. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. What a sweet moment. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Bye, Paul. Thanks. To God be the glory. We want you to know we've got the baton, Paul. We got it. We're going to run. Paul's over on the boat. Run, baby, run. Right? Do life among and trust life too. Or what's the second one? Spend life for and trust life too. Lord, thank you so much for the example that you have given us. And your love for us, your patience with us, your ever-enduring work of grace poured out to us, oh God. Wow, you are awesome. And Lord, in that, we are feeble. We need your help, we need your assistance, that's for sure. Not on our own strength, but by you alone, I pray, God, might we run. The scriptures give this picture, God, that of all the saints of past are cheering us on. And I think of this idea and this reality here that that includes Paul. That includes these elders from Ephesus. That includes the church from Ephesus. That includes the believers from past time cheering us on today as we carry the baton. Give us the strength. May we be humble. May we be real. For we are fully dependent upon you in every way. In Christ's name.